0: she i can see you guys in there uh because i've been doing a lot of mucking around with microphones which i'm going to talk about because i've got stuff laying around here i've ended up just like going back to my wireless go the rode wireless go uh, so this was sort of the best possible outcome i could find in terms of microphones sounding good so i'm really interested to hear from you guys does this actually sound okay now, now i'm going to try and figure out my workflow here and I'll talk about why I'm doing this outside in just a moment but um, I've got my laptop here and my iPad there and my half decent mic I have got my coffee (laughs) so I hope all that's okay why can't I see my stream is there a live stream this would be interesting wow who knows who knows Ashley, g'day. Lars says it's a bit quiet, but I can hear. You know what I can do? I can actually up the decibels on the little one that sits over this end. So I'm going to take my polarized Sunnies off because it's too bright. Otherwise, I'm going to pump that up once, twice. So let's, uh, let's see how that is, guys. Does that, does that play nicer? It has not been a good week for mics because I've tried so many different options. And I'm going to show you what, what they were. Uh, Lars says, okay, works better now that I speak up. I did also hit the decibel gain. I think part of it too is I'm sitting outside in my backyard. It's 5.45 at the moment. Uh, thanks for Burton. I can see those comments. Uh, yeah, it's 5.45 in the morning at the moment. And uh, it's not that neighbours are going to hear me, but it just like it's just peaceful here at the moment. Now, I wonder if I can actually take... This is very high tech, I wonder if I can take the URL from my stream over here in one browser window and I can put it in the browser window of my Google account that's actually signed in and actually be able to make comments. Uh, You'd think I'd test this stuff beforehand but um, that sort of seemed like a lot of work. Oh here we go, I can see it now, here's the chat, beautiful, I can see me. Awesome. And I think I can even pop that chat window out, can't I? Pop out the chat. Good stuff. All right, thank you. Testing production here. <laughs> okay, so Burton says, is this your iPhone 13 camera? Yeah, so this is the iPhone 13 Pro Max. So this is the camera I've been having so much trouble with um, trying to make different microphones work. I'm going to talk about those in a moment. Well. I don't want to talk about a sponsor because I've got a brand new sponsor this week and I definitely do not want, want to skip over them. And it's a sponsor that I've had a relationship with for ages and ages, but first time on the blog. Uh, good week to be there. I'm going to talk about some traffic stuff a bit later on. Redgate. So I've used Redgate software for well over a decade. I would say a decade and a half. Uh, predominantly around the SQL databasey things. I was a big Redgate user. Let's call it the mid 90s particularly for SQL Prompt. SQL Prompt was one of my first great loves (laughs) of Redgate database software. Being able to be in SSMS and seeing autocomplete on database tables and things. This was before SSMS had any of this stuff built in as well. And even now SQL Prompt's got a lot of stuff in there and I use it, I would say every day. I don't think it's too strong a word. SQL Compare, SQL Data Compare to sync databases. I built that into a lot of our automation pipeline back in Pfizer as well. Today's sponsorship is with SQL Monitor, another product I had used back in the enterprise as well. Uh, Great software there for monitoring your SQL database and your database farms. Always understand the health of your SQL Server estate. SQL Server estate is a very regal term. SQL Server estate and avoid potential issues before they impact your business. Always nice to know about these things before they impact your business rather than after. Uh, So, look, a big thanks to Redgate. I recently did a podcast with them as well. Uh, I'll put a link through to that in my show notes too, but please, please give them some love and follow the link on my blog post uh, and go and try those products too. I know that that's not what's there in the sponsorship, but it is genuinely something that I continue to use at least SQL prompt, I'd say, every day. SQL compare, SQL data compare. Every time I'm doing, or a lot of the time, I'm doing any database compares or synchronization or all sorts of things. So a lot of love for Redgate there okay let's have a look at the comments now Which I can now see down here on my laptop uh, <laughs> Ashley says the backdrop looks great this is like real <laughs> I know you know that but um, I've lived here so I moved into here at the end of 2015 and uh, I, I think as soon as I got here I was like I never want to move anywhere more than like a few hundred metres from a spot if I go anywhere. And even today, like every morning, we get up and we sit here, normally looking that way uh, at the sun, and we just like, how awesome is this location? Like, how awesome is the Gold Coast? How awesome is it being on the water? Uh, it is just a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic lifestyle. Um, so if I do wiggle the camera just a little bit so everyone can see where we are, we walk down there, there's our boat, my neighbor just got a boat a few days ago. It's the red one over there. So we're going to be out there spending a bunch of time on that, doing the wakeboarding things and with the kids and the tubing, and you know, all that sort of good stuff. This is the Gold Coast lifestyle. Uh, Philip, hi. Watch on my laptop as my telly is refusing to load YouTube. Okay, well, that's, yeah, all right. At least that's not my fault. Um, Lars Regans used an iMic. <laughs> so, yes. We, we won't be in that. I'm actually using... Let me go through all the mic dramas actually, so my plan A was this massive, massive fluffy one we've got here, inside of that has like this shotgun mic from Rode, oh look that popped off, I wonder if that makes a difference, (laughs) I could try that later, (laughs) it looks like this, and I guess the, the idea of this mic, and the reason why I really liked it, is it has a lightning adapter in the bottom. So, I'm gonna move the camera a bit closer to me now. So the, the theory was that I should just be able to pick this up, plug it into the bottom of the iPhone. It's obviously powered from the lightning port. Uh, it's a directional mic. It should have been picking up me, awesome. I wouldn't have to have this great big fluffy thing here on my on my shirt. Everything would be cool. And as I've said in recent videos, for some reason, I just end up getting all this static when it's connected to my phone, only to my phone. If I connect it to my iPhone 12, which uh, was the predecessor to this one, no problems whatsoever. If I connect it to Charlotte's in every other way, identical iPhone 13 Pro Max with the same amount of storage on the same network, both Wi-Fi network and telco network, uh, and I run that and also incidentally, Both the phones are running without a case on them as well, uh, simply because, like normally they have a case, it has a case at the moment, but you can't fit this in when there's a case in. But now I'm wondering actually, because I just noticed this thing popped off. Maybe I can fit it if there's a case on it, but I don't think it's gonna make any difference because I just could not get this to work. Now when I say work, it recorded sound, but there was just huge amounts of static. And I just couldn't figure out why not, why? It's, it's like the only, the only conclusion was something like electromagnetic. Uh, and in fact, when I tested this sitting on the, um, uh, the MagSafe charger uh, in one of my cars, it just got extra bad. Now to their credit, Road was super awesome because I did tag them in the tweet. Some of you remember what happened when I searched for Road on Twitter. Don't search for Road on Twitter, at least not with like not safe search turned on of videos displaying. You'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> after I tagged them, they were really helpful. They got in touch. They actually sent me a brand new one. Um, they didn't ask me to send the old one back. We went through a whole bunch of troubleshooting things. And not only did they send me a brand new one, but they sent me, like, the Vlogger one, which actually comes with a, a small tripod uh, and a tripod mount. Uh, in fact, this is what my phone is sitting in at the moment. And it also comes with a really rather powerful uh, LED light that sits on top of it as well so that's on my camera at the moment obviously I don't need extra light at the moment but they sent me something far greater than what I had already and we had exactly the same experience so now I have two Rode mics which are actually really good on a phone that works with them (laughs) they're not very good on my phone and I'm just at the point where I don't want to spend any more time on it now, people did make some, some worthy suggestions. They they suggested, for example, try going into flight mode, try turning off the Bluetooth, try turning off, uh, even popping out the SIM. I did all of these things, no change. Um, they said, well, what if you you just factory reset both phones, then I take Charlotte's because she doesn't need to do this stuff, and she takes mine. I haven't tried that because it's high friction. Uh, yeah, we've got to burn a bunch of time. To, to be honest, so even now, probably six weeks after getting the phone, I'm still setting up apps that had signed themselves out due to the backup and restore process. I don't want to do that. It's just, I'd I'd rather just wait for the iPhone 13, iPhone 14 Pro Max. Uh, I look at the comments in here. Um, How are you standing the iPhone on a tripod? So it's actually on, on a Joby tripod, which, uh, which goes quite a bit higher than this, probably goes up to about 1.6 metres. And on top of that, on the normal tripod mount, is the the vlogging setup that Rode sent me. So that's how it's sitting there. Rambling geek, so is your phone faulty? Well, can you imagine going into Apple and trying to explain this? It's like, yeah, I plug in this peripheral and I get some static. They'll be like, that's the peripheral. Um, I just... I just don't want to muck around with it anymore if I'm quite honest. Let me tell you the other things I've tried. So throughout my adventures trying to make all this work the other thing I've tried that did work is the classic little Rode lapel mic which I've had for many many years and I used to use on a bunch of my videos and it literally just looks like this. It's got a little lapel. I was going to do like a back-to-back sort of A-B test with what I'm using now which I'll talk about in a moment in this one and then again that seemed like a lot of mucking around and I've just I've burned hours and hours trying to make this work so eventually I've gone to the Rode Wireless Go so that has the lapel mic that I'm wearing now I've got the windsock on it so if you look at it a bit closely you can see that there I don't think I need a windsock at the moment because it's about zero <laughs> zero knots uh, and then of course it's got the wireless unit at the other end which I can just put in front of the screen here Now you see it's got a red cable into it, so the other thing that I needed to buy in order for it to work on the iPhone is a TTS to TTRS, I think was the correct term, cable. Because of course we have different sockets, I forget which one's which, but one of them has uh, like additional controls and one of the rings on the plug, you can actually see the plug got more rings on it. That's my highly technical explanation of it. This is the one it actually comes with, which is basically the same plug to the same plug, let's call it TTS, uh, and that one is the one that does two different plugs, so ordered from Amazon Prime, arrived the next day, we're kind of good to go, ah Sean says, Apple will say, you're holding it wrong, ah the memories, <laughs> there was Jobs that said that originally too, wasn't it, Rounding Geek really likes his uh, Rode Wireless Go, Yeah, I agree with this, Lars is using uh, Wireless Go 2, never had a single issue, brilliant kit. Yeah, it, it does seem to be, the only thing is it's just like a little bit obnoxious. Maybe if I was wearing like a suit, <laughs> like that's going to happen, and I had lapels, uh, it might work, or even a shirt. Burton, are you planning on using this setup often? Um, I'm, I'm planning on, on watching this back later on and just seeing what the audio quality looks like, sounds like, uh, and what this environment sounds like. Yeah, if people like seeing me out of the office for a bit, I'll do more of that. Uh, when we finally finish the things we're doing with the house, I think I'll do one of the weekly updates where it's just like a through and I'll just show you all the stuff we've done. Uh, I'll do lots of nice photos as well, but I'd love to be able to answer questions from people about how did you do the IoT thing here or there or whatever. Um, pivoting just slightly uh, on that, uh, one of the, actually, I just noticed a comment here. Rambling Geeks says uh, you can plug the lapel mic into. That's a good point. I could plug the lapel mic into the other, uh, the other jack on the one here, and then I might as well plug the lapel mic straight into the phone. Other than for the fact that it means I'm just not physically connected. Speaking of IoT things, I ended up being up very late the other night. In fact, part of the reason I'm doing this out here this morning is I did a talk for uh, Devolutions. Uh, they they announced this publicly, they had public sign-ups from memory, night before last. And um, most of the time when, when I do talks, we, we can always find a time of the day that works. If it's like me in Europe, then I do it in the afternoon. And if I do it at about 5 p.m. or something, uh, my time, then it's a little bit early for them and we can work it out. Um, if it's in the US, I actually have a lot of crossover. So we're only about five hours difference with uh, with PST. So for like Seattle, for example, it's actually 19 hours difference, but well, let's call it five hours difference. So I can still be talking to people in Seattle, you know, for the next sort of six hours and it's reasonable time there. The uh, the devolutions keynote was, was late. <laughs> so it was scheduled for me to do it at 11.30 p.m., which is difficult for me because I'm normally like up at 5 o'clock in the morning because I want to be out here. Uh, But I often go to bed at about 9, 9, 9.30. And uh, this was scheduled for 11.30. So I turn up at 11.30 and it's like, cool, let's go. And like, yep, we'll start in an hour. So what? (laughs) They put it down to like a daylight savings or something like that. So I didn't start until half past midnight and I had an hour to kill. So I ended up sitting out here with my laptop programming my lights. Uh, In fact, just programming stuff to come on automatically based on motion picked up by the G4 Ubiquity camera which is up there on the roof somewhere. So anyway that went from 12.30 until 1.30 uh, and then it went over a little bit with some Q&A and then I was too wired when I went to bed because I've just been on stage and I fell asleep at uh, oh, what time was that? I think nearly three and then I got up at 5.30 because that's what my body clock does. So uh, that was five th- that was yesterday morning I so had two and a half hours sleep, so so this morning I was like, ah, oh, stuff it. Let's just go and sit outside rather than lock myself away in a room. It would be nice. But it is very nice not to have to um, fly to the other side of the world. Well, this is better than jet lag. Ed says, looks a stunning spot in your... Yep, something missing there, but anyway. Um... Got Rob here. G'day Rob. Rob from Veronis. Rob says gain is a little high but the auto quality is good. Uh, Nice songbird in the background. So you know what I'm going to do based on Rob's feedback because I can adjust decibels here on this end whilst I'm playing around for this which of course you can't see when you're wearing polarized sunnies but I'm going to pop that gain down one level and then people can tell me if that's alright because I do want to try and get all this pretty neat so that I can sit out here and do more of these. And I reckon, based on what I can see, anyway, I look at what it looks like on YouTube later, but the quality of this, uh, this iPhone 13 Pro Max, I feel like it should be a sales pitch here, uh, is just awesome. Lars also uses the Rode lapel mic into the go. All right, that might be my next, my next mission on that one, actually. I could try it now, but that's going to be too much testing and production. All right, so, where was I? <laughs> I had things for this week. What was on this week? of course it doesn't want to order the thing with face ID like once you're out here in this really really bright Sun uh, it does not like to work so much actually while I'm waiting for me to get this loaded um, that's what I was going to show you I have been tweeting about this and now I do have one I I think semi perfect version of it Rob gives thumbs up I assume that's in the game thanks mate this is uh, a 3d printed map this is one tile of a 3D printed map and I've been tweeting about wanting to do this where I'm trying to decorate the area where I have see Rob, I'm trying to decorate the area where I have uh, the 3D printer. Uh, in fact just yesterday we bought a, a, a nice sort of cabinet to put the, the printer on and it's actually going to look like a nice part of the house and not just a, a geeky workstation and I decided to decorate the wall with uh, two 3D printed maps. Uh, and this is a slice of Oslo. This is one corner of Oslo. Uh, and it's a 200mm square corner. And it's a guy on Etsy who creates these these maps. And he, he gets obviously publicly available data and then he turns them into STLs and then he slices them up into 4x4 four four squares. And the STL is actually sliced up at 150mm square. I've expanded this to make it as big as I could fit on the build plate. So this is going to be... 80 centimeters by 80 centimeters and this is like literally just one sixteenth of the map so I mucked around a lot with different filaments just to try and find something that that had the right finish so I end up deciding like I wanted a, a basically a matte finish so there's actually a, a matte black base and a matte white top and for those of you watching the video rather than just listening to the audio later you can just see the river going through the city so the, uh, the river goes up to 28 millimeters, which is 14 layers because we're doing a 02 millimeter layer height. And then the, the white stuff goes on top of that. And that'll be a lot more obvious in places that have more water. So when I get down to sort of where the Opera House and everything is in Oslo, there'll be big sways of black and just a little bit of white. Did a lot of mucking around with things like uh, ironing. So for those of you who are just, just learning about 3D printing, Ironing is this principle where you can take the hot end, which is where the filament comes out, and like literally iron over the top of it to try and smooth out all the lines. Now, that's sort of good in principle, but when you've got lots of small detail like this, I was finding that as the hot end moved off one part of the one building and moved to another building, it would leave just a little little artifact uh, of filament on the old building, and it would also create a bit of stringing, where you then have a little bit of the plastic that strings from, say, here to here. So I turned that off, saved heaps and heaps and heaps of time and I've just left it on for the big flat areas, namely where the water is. So the cool thing you can do about that is you can say, I'm totally geeking out on 3D printers now, you can say, look, uh, I would like to take a slice, so think about it like this, looking at it side on. I would like to take a slice, which is everything from 0 to 3 millimeters, and for that, we're going to apply one set of settings, which is the ironing, and then everything above three millimetres, and in fact you can just see where the river comes in through there, everything above three millimetres we're not going to iron. So that's what I've done, and and the one thing I've changed, and there's one on the printer at the moment that's getting close to being finished, is you can also change the patterns on the top of shapes. Now it's going to be really, really hard to see it on the camera here, so I I will do some some macro with my iPhone 13 Pro Max (laughs) later on. But if you can imagine, these are all just shapes, right? So they're like blocks. Uh, And the blocks have an outer shell and then they've got an inner shell. And in fact, they've got like a gyroid infill pattern. So 10% of the inside of these shapes is actually filament and the rest of it's just air. But when it gets to the top, it has to put a pattern on the top. Uh, And the pattern on the top, I think this one's called monotonic, where it's basically like, just make the print head go back and back and back like this. And it just fills it in with what looks like lines and I've changed it to, I forget the term now, it was like concentric or something, based on the feedback of, uh, of my mate who got me into this in the first place, where it's gonna take the shape and it's basically gonna sort of, imagine it was a circle, it would just start doing more circles until it gets to the middle and then it would fill it in like that. So all the other same settings, but it's just gonna be slightly different on the tops of the buildings and then I can figure out which one I like better and I can either just have two different infill patterns on the, on the they're not infill patterns, two different top layer patterns, uh or i can print this again i am getting a lot of pleasure out of this the kids are getting a lot of pleasure out of this as i've said before it is absolutely hands down the best tech educational thing i've ever bought for the kids ever bought for me to print 3d logos remember it's a business tool it's the best business tool (laughs) of mine that the kids have ever been able to use if you're looking for something for christmas and i know it's a pricey present but if you're looking for something 3D printers, absolutely super awesome. Uh, I've got more stuff coming at Christmas, actually, which will be part of a Christmas present, uh, deliberately for the, for the, let's call it, for the business. Uh, and it will be in the household. And I'll talk more about that, actually, when we get to Christmas and I give the presents out. Burton says, did the vacuum on the 3D printer raw material work? So I was having trouble... In fact, I I found this when I was printing my uh, GitHub logo. So if you go to skyline.github.com, you can, it's not a GitHub logo, GitHub commit history. skyline.github.com, and then you put in anyone's GitHub username, you can try Troy Hunt, and you choose the year, you will see a 3D model of all the commits that have been made. So there's literally like one little tower for each day of the year, and it shows you how many commits are made. And even if all your commits are private, you can still have the volume of commits shown publicly, but you just won't see what they were obviously for. So, so that's what I do with mine. I allow those to be publicly accessible. They don't look so good this year, I don't think. I've been busy. But when I was printing that, I was just getting some really nasty banding. So if you imagine, let's say we're using 0one millimeter layer height. Every 0one millimeters, the print head moves up and prints another layer. You want it to be perfectly smooth on the side mine was like really ridgy uh, and I decided it was the filament and possibly because it had moisture in it so I bought a whole bunch of uh, vacuum sealable bags so you put them in the bag just like you kind of do with food for storage you put them in the bag there's a little vacuum pump suck all the air out uh, and that should keep all of the moisture out so in answer to your question Burton I've, I've started sealing stuff in there I think to be honest the quality of the filament seems to be a much bigger factor than the vacuum sealing it. Because I can take Prusament filament, so this is filament made by Prusa printers, the makers of the printer that I use. I can take uh, Prusament that's been sitting out there for months and months and months, and it still prints beautifully, and I take something like, I forget the name of the one that was failing, it was like Polymer or something. Uh, I could take that and it's been sitting out in exactly the same spot for much less time, and it's just that the quality is not great. So for these 3D maps, I have bought a bunch of filament. I'm just leaving it all sealed until I actually need to use the roll because um, I just don't know how that's going to age. Florian Florian, Florian Beer. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Florian Beer. He it says, it's early where you are. Well, it's uh, just past 6 a.m. Now, part of the reason I'm up this early is that if we go 30 kilometers that way, we're in another state, and they don't have daylight saving. Now, these are states that are like right under each other as well but because of either like the curtains fading or the cows getting confused or something like that we don't have daylight saving which has been a big topic for a long time so down there it's an hour later which I think is much better aligned to the season I I wish we didn't have or we wish we did have daylight saving here Uh, but it, it means a lot of people here just get up super early so by now, there's gonna be loads of people on the beach, loads of people in cafes. Uh, it really, from like 5 a.m. onwards, there are. So this is just, just our norm here. We just just like shift everything a bit earlier. Ben says, how can I find this guy on Etsy? Have a look through my, if you go to my Twitter account, have a look at media, find a 3D printed map. There's a thread there that has a link to the guy. If I remember, I'll also put it in the notes or you can just tweet me and I'll, I'll send you the link later on. Armin is in Toronto, Uh, I'm suspecting Toronto looks a bit different (laughs) to here at the moment, Um, very very different, Florian says he introduced the term bug bounty in my company today, everybody liked it very much, now did you introduce the term bug bounty or beg bounty? I suspect it is the latter, all right let me get back on topic here because I did have some data breachy stuff too, new breaches before I talk about disclosure, Ducks Unlimited, and IDC Games. So two breaches I loaded this week. Now these were kind of frustrating for, for a couple of reasons. Um, primarily for one reason, and that one reason is is that I'd been sent this data a long time ago, and this is going to lead me into the the thread rant, which I'm going to get to in a moment. So let's call, it, uh, let's call it I'd been sent it six months ago, something like that. And it sat in the pile of data that I've had for a long time <laughs> and data that is seven figures or more, because it's kind of like the threshold. Once it's a million records, like that's a fairly substantial data breach. Particularly given, I often find up to about 1% of people in a data breach also have I've been subscribers. So it's like if there's a million people in there, then there's possibly 10,000 of my subscribers and I'm sitting on this data knowing that they've been breached. But the problem is I just couldn't find any public disclosure of the incident or any public coverage of the incident. And I don't want to, I don't want to have to go through the pain of disclosure because it is a painful thing, like trying to find a contact at the organisation that you can disclose to, in part because of people like the Beg Bounty folks that I spoke about last week. So trying to find folks I can disclose to, uh, then have them actually take the matter seriously, do their own disclosure, Uh, communicate with their members, not think that I'm trying to shake them down for money. Thank you, beg bounty bastards. Uh, That whole thing is a very, very time-consuming exercise. So I end up doing a combination of trying to find breaches which are both large enough and are already sufficiently in the public domain. And I chose those words carefully because for both Ducks and IDC Games, I couldn't actually find any public reference from the companies themselves in fact I couldn't even find full on news stories but I did find other security companies talking about it and I've ended up linking through to those in the disclosure Uh, in fact let's have a look at how much was in here if I go through to have a been pwned account here so let me see Ducks, Ducks had 1.3 million email addresses breached earlier this year also include names, physical addresses, phone numbers dates of birth and unsalted MD5 password hashes and a lot of them, a lot of the passwords were like ducks. <laughs> so, so that was easy to verify. 74% of them were already pwned, already in Have I Been Pwned. Uh, and then this uh, IDC Games, 4 million records. And again, like, this stuff's on a public hacking forum. Uh, that had salted MD5 password hashes. Good on you guys. 37% of those were already in Have I Been Pwned. And, like, this is, this is substantial. Like, these are large large numbers and that the constant frustration like I could sit here and I could be loading data of seven, eight, nine figures almost non-stop for the next month and I have enough in that pipeline to keep me going but I haven't been able to do that because of the overhead of the disclosure so I put out a thread the other day it just kind of brings me onto the next topic here um, I said I won't read the whole thing, but I'll give you the general overview. I'm struggling to process the volume of data breaches being sent my way largely due to the high overhead of verification and disclosure. These are breaches which are usually circulating within the community, but may be unknown to the impacted org. Now I'll link through this thread later on because I sort of talked through some, some back of the napkin ideas I had around doing disclosure. But when I'm looking at these, very often people are sending me breaches, which they find being exchanged. So people will pop up because they have seen this on a popular hacking forum. Many people listening to this will know what the forum is. I don't mention it or link to it because I'm not trying to propagate the distribution of this data. But it's on this forum, the is being leaked like all over the place. It's public for all intents and purposes. Surely there is a better way than me having to devote huge amounts of time and deal with usually bullshit from either PR people or legal people Trying to do disclosure for something that hundreds, if not thousands, of people already have. So this is kind of what the thread's about. And I basically said, look, maybe what I need to do is just publish the pipeline. If the data is being distributed publicly, maybe I need to actually name the organisation and see if people can help me with the whole attribution thing. And I gave an example in here. There's a Korean, uh, a Korean website, which of course makes it even harder because of the language barrier. Korean uh, retailer called Brandy. So b r a n d i dot co k r. Now I blew probably two hours the other day looking at this, trying to figure out if it was legitimate or not. Knowing that regardless of the outcome, trying to communicate with a company that is Korean has not just a language barrier but a cultural barrier as well. Can you imagine? Like this, and I'm going to try not to be disingenuous in the way I generalize this, but there's like some Some PR manager or lawyer sitting there in Seoul and this Aussie guy over on the website with a funny name pops up and says, I've got your data. You need to tell people about it. It's like... (laughs) It's just going to be absolutely painful. So, I don't have a good answer for this yet. I, I am throwing around various ideas. There was a combination of support and concern for the ideas I put forward, and and both of those were valid. The concerns were mostly around uh, misattribution, damage to brand, potential legal consequences of people getting litigious about it. But again, we're sort of talking somewhere where in, in, in many of these cases, if you literally were to search for the name and then data breach, you would find the data being circulated and you would find the discussion about it. So when it's, when it's already that public and then I'm sitting here saying, I don't want to possibly mention the name in case people find out about it. I don't know, that just doesn't sit well with me. Let's see the comments on here. Um, <laughs> some of these are not really relevant. Uh, Stefan says, is CEO, CFO fraud a big thing in Australia? I'm starting a new job in Sydney on Monday and received an email from a fake CFO from a private Gmail address yesterday. Never happened before. Look, I I hear a lot about it. I don't experience it firsthand because I don't have a job, which is really, really cool. Um, (laughs) Feel free to ask me questions about that as well. It's such a bizarre life at the moment. I did the maths the other day. I'm so happy not having a job. Um... I would imagine that if I was in a corporate role again, I would probably see it firsthand because it is such low hanging fruit. It's so easy to figure out uh, not only who works in the sort of organization that could be targeted for CEO, CFO, fraud, sometimes it's called whale fishing. Uh, Not only is it so easy to figure out who works there, but it's so easy to figure out who that whale in this case is. Who is the CEO? Who is the CFO? Because we publish it all over LinkedIn. So to be really easy to find that information, of course, fishing attacks are very, very cheap to mount. They have a very, very low hit rate, but you only need a very, very low hit rate. You only need a fraction of a percent for it to be a good payout. Uh, so to, to the best of my knowledge, yes, it is something which, which is a concern here. Um, it's just not something I've had to deal with firsthand. Uh, Sean says, "Seen the new NordPass list out. Same story. I have not seen the new NordPass. Maybe link to that, mate. If we can, if we can have a look at that." Um, Peter says, "Almost every company I worked for, there are emails trying to impersonate the C-suite. Uh, and look, why? Like, if you're a hacker, why wouldn't you? Like, why wouldn't you give it a go? Because it is such a..." A low overhead effort to mount and the data is so easily accessible it's such an I'm not saying go out and do this I'm just saying I can see why it's become so prevalent and the chances of getting caught particularly if you're in certain parts of the world it's just so low as well like it's a it's a it's a good ROI you know if, if you're a bad guy it's a good ROI don't do it but it's a good ROI <laughs> Burton did you find 8 to 11 year old tech Christmas presents for r and so Last year, around about this time, I put out a tweet and I said, look, I'm looking for Christmas presents. Uh, The kids at the time, of course, were 7 and 10, girl and boy. Uh, Yeah, What what have you seen that you would recommend? And I got awesome, awesome, awesome feedback. Uh, So as a result of that feedback, I got things like Turing Tumble, the marble-powered computer game. If you're looking for the best present I reckon you can get kids of that age, look that up. It was super, super cool. Uh, I also got snap circuits. So they're little circuits that you can build on a board that, as the name suggests, like, literally just snap together and then they turn on fans and buzzers and things like this. Really, really cool. Uh, both the kids spend a lot of time with those. They haven't used them for a while. I think I need to pull them out of the cupboard, give them another go. This year, I, uh, I quote-tweeted that original one and said, anyone else got any other good suggestions? I haven't really had any good suggestions. I don't know what it was, but, like, last year, maybe because everyone was, like, extra locked down last year. But last year, I got heaps of really good suggestions. This year, yeah, basically nothing. So, I have actually found some things for the kids. Uh, and I'll share some of those after Christmas, because who knows, they're getting old enough to actually watch my uh, watch my Twitter feed. And my I don't think they sit there watching my live stream. I try to convince my son that I'm a YouTuber and that I'm famous on the internet. And he basically looks at me and says I'm not Laserbeam, so it doesn't matter. Some of you know who Laserbeam is. <sighs> anyway. All right, if I find anything good, I'll let you know. Uh, What else we got here? Just lots of uh, SMBs being hit by phishing scams. Um, Stefan, thanks, Troy. Let's chat about the no-company lifestyle sometime. It's the long-term goal. If you want to read some stuff on this, this, Stefan, there's a couple of blog posts and talks. So if if you Google Troy Hunt, uh, hack your career, there's a talk. I think there's two versions of this recorded, which I originally did in Oslo, I think in about 2016, 2017. There's a blog post called um, How I Optimise My Life to Make My Job Redundant, which is uh, how I got out of the corporate rat race. Um, so there's, there's that one. That's a really good one. That, incidentally, is also going to be in the book. I'm going to talk about the book in just a moment as well. So there's that one. There's another one I wrote. I think I wrote it on New Year's Eve in 2018, so just before we ticked into 2019, about financial tips for uh, technology people I think all those are good. I have more in the pipeline around this that I want to publish when the timing is right uh, and, I, and I hope that that's very soon. So have a read of all those. I, I think the, the epiphany that sort of hit me, it was when I had that very, very late night <laughs> a couple of days ago and I sort of went, well, this is, like, this is hard work being up late and feeling so tired but I was comparing that to the amount of effort it would have taken for the same sort of return in my previous corporate job and I was like okay well that's an easy decision <laughs> there's a much better thing so yeah and I'll talk more about that in the future as well Mikael says uh having a lot of CEO CFO fraud in Denmark but most is is smart enough to not fall for it most are smart enough to not fall for it and it's a combination of being, uh, I guess, socially smart enough to recognise it as a phishing attack, as, as a human and individual, but technically smart enough that we can start uh, quarantining this stuff, filing it away, blocking the resources that, that phishing sites sit on. It's, it's always going to be a bit of the two. <laughs> Stefan, thanks for sharing. All right, cool. Uh, all right, so... I was I missed one there, Mikhail. The no boss thing is great. I love it too, like Troy does. Look, don't get me wrong, it's not all it's not all beer and skittles there's a lot of beer uh, the the thing that I find hardest about it without going down the complete rabbit hole of working for oneself is that when I'm here and I have not only being self-employed and not having uh, I guess a chain of command but doing lots and lots and lots of different things uh, commercially it's like we're when do I stop or where do I stop, you know? So uh, things like the the conference talks I do online are are mostly commercial these days. I still do workshops, I've obviously got blog sponsorship, there's still Pluralsight things. Um, There's all sorts of other things that I do. And because of the nature of this industry at the moment, there's more demand than what there is time. So when do I stop? Like, when do I literally go down there and get on my jet ski and go for a ride? And this is, this is first of all, I recognise the most first world of problems. <laughs> so don't get me wrong, I'm very aware of that. But particularly from a, a burnout perspective and like a mental health perspective, it's, it's really important to sort of put that stuff down and then go and do this stuff. But I, I do find that very difficult in part because I really enjoy this stuff. I'm, for those listening, I'm pointing to the stuff inside the house. You know, I enjoy mucking around with the 3D printer and the IoT stuff. Uh, which makes me absolutely no money and has no commercial value whatsoever, and it may never do. But it just scratches an itch. But as you can see, like it's so nice here. How do I make sure I spend more time with this? So I, we sort of strike a bit of a balance where very often Charlotte and I will walk uh, down to the down to the local uh, cafe and shops, we'll get uh, we'll get a coffee and a an asahi bowl or something like that, walk to the beach, eat that, come home, and there's just over four k. First thing in the morning, takes about an hour and a bit by the time we do that, and that's like the start of our day. After, a, well actually normally we'd get up, have a coffee, do my tweets and my emails and things like that, and then go and do that and then come back. So you know, that's, that's good, but actually taking blocks of time out for leisure is hard. So I am going to be trying to do a lot more of that over, over the coming holidays, over December and January, because we've got Christmas, because we've got school holidays, things like that. But you know, honestly, look, that is that is the hardest challenge. Like, When do you stop doing the work things and focus on the personal things? Good problems to have. Nick007, morning Troy, lovely background. Yeah, it's real too. <laughs> it's real. Um, Burton says, what position would you have been if you stayed in corporate? Uh, what position? <laughs> uh, burned out? Um, fired? Dead? Uh, I don't know. Um, The the problem I had, this is a problem many technical people have, is Pfizer was and still is a very, in fact they are a much larger company now. One would imagine because they they have been, they have had a rather successful product this last year. Um, Before that they had very successful products, so Pfizer was known for Viagra, Uh, Pfizer was known for Lipitor, for lowering your cholesterol, the world's largest selling drug. We sold half a billion dollars a year worth of Lipitor just in Australia. Uh, and I think it was like 10 billion or something worldwide. It was massive. Very, very large incumbent company. And one of the things that, that really gave me the shits is that they had no career path for me as a technical person, certainly not in this part of the world. And I remember my manager, and I had the same manager for 13 years, and then I had a new one for a year, and the backstory of that is in the book. It didn't work out so well. Um, remember my, my manager, the, the, the good one I had for 13 years, saying, you know, look, there's like a management path and there's a technical path. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm technical. Uh, and so, well, you know, basically you're very, very limited. If I wanted to have hands on code, I was pretty much going to be perpetually stuck at the same position in life in terms of both seniority and then salary as well for, you know, one of the guys I worked with was was exactly the same age as my father, born in the same year, uh, and at that time he would have been, you know, like mid 60s. So, so I could be doing this for like the next 30 years, and I'm going to be in just the same same role and the same money. Like, where is the motivation to go above and beyond? Management, uh, like, hell no! I don't want to just sit there doing powerpoints. A lot of my life was already sitting there doing powerpoints, so. I, I just think that there was no career whatsoever and then even if I look at people that were in senior roles, so you know, uh, say VP level roles, it's like, it just looks so boring. <laughs> it looked really, really boring. And I can guarantee I make a lot more money doing this now that I do. I get to like sit here and turn on my camera and then turn up and talk about hackers and hoodies and stuff than what I ever would have even doing a VP style role at at Pfizer having to wear a a suit—it just, ah, it just—it—it it kills my soul. <laughs> Literally, just thinking about it. So, um, yeah, Burton, that—that uh, would not have happened. Andrew wants to come jet skiing with Troy. Oh my god, I should go jet skiing today, shouldn't I? Do I have time? I have been working hard. <laughs> Maybe I should just go jet skiing. <laughs> Stuart, been there with the zero career path thing. Completely agree. Most organisations don't have a Scooby on what a don't have a Scooby. I haven't heard that term before. Don't have a Scooby on what a tech path looks like, and leave it for you to work out for yourself. As I um, as I said in in my blog post in the book as well, the the strategy of the Asia Pacific region in Pfizer, which is the, so I was the architect. I'm air quoting it. I can't say without air quoting it. The architect. Asia Pacific so every time we built anything from like a clinical trials product through to adverse reporting through to like a Viagra campaign website uh, I'd have some input into that but everything was outsourced so all the work would go to the cheapest possible vendors everywhere you 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 could find it India Philippines uh, and China and my life was just spent managing those folks uh, and basically cleaning up after the mess so yeah that that wasn't particularly good fun Oh, no, he's Scott as well. Stefan says, there's video evidence from Scott Helmer of what happens when you go jet skiing with Troy. (laughs) I would not recommend. I don't think we have video evidence. So Scott is here in the chat. Uh, Scott did fall off the jet ski um, on one visit here. I don't think he's used to being on water that's not frozen, which might have been the problem. Um, (laughs) uh, Ask Troy how many jet skis he's broken. So we're actually having a discussion with my neighbour who bought the, the nice new red boat over there the other day about um, jet skis. I reckon Yamaha's break and C2's don't, but that's getting very, very off topic. All right, so last, uh, last thing in my formal list, and then I'm happy to keep chatting here, is uh, Pondimus. So I've called it Ponemus. I, I had, this, had this idea the other day where I, I gave away a book. Uh, this was a book on Anonymous, because for some reason I had two of the same books. And I I tweeted the book and I went, all right, whoever can share the sort of the the funniest anonymous meme, I will send this book and I will also send some Have I Been Pwned stickers, uh, Have I Been Pwned thrinted logo, and I, uh, unbeknownst to the person, I chucked in a few Scott Helm stickers as well. If you don't know what a Scott Helm sticker is, go to Twitter, search for Scott Helm stickers, you'll find it. So so I sent those and I took a photo and there were all these people like, how can I get this? Like, How can I get some of i don't think anyone really cared about the book they just want like, the stickers and the 3d logo um, and i was thinking about it and i was like what, what should we do and then uh, charlotte and i were talking to rob uh, rob connery a couple of days ago because rob connery's helping us do, do the book um and we're like you know how can we how can we sort of get more people looking at this preview and providing us feedback and i was like well i know people really want stickers Like, let's just start giving away stickers. Like, let's give away stickers and 3D printed logos. I'll fire up the 3D printer. We'll pump some more of this stuff out. And then it's like Christmas is coming up. And for some reason, like, just on a... I've registered domains on a whim. So I registered pwnedmas.com. I haven't shared that with anyone else. If you go to pwnedmas.com, you end up back at Have I Been Pwned. And I was like, why don't I just start giving these away? So for everyone that... Uh, goes and grabs the preview of the book which of course is free you just gotta chuck in your name and your email address and then you get a link and you can download the preview. I'm gonna choose one Charlotte's gonna choose one <laughs> random person from there each day. We've got to figure out how to do that because today's like day one. We're gonna choose one random person out of there uh, and then I will be sending them an email saying hey look we're gonna send you some stickers and everything please send me your, your address, your mother's maiden name, your favourite colour in your first car. Uh, And then I will send some stickers to that person as well as the 3D printed logo. So if you haven't done it already, go to book.troyhunt.com, name, email address, uh, and some people are asking, look, if if you've already registered and downloaded it before, are you still in the draw? Yep, absolutely, everyone is in the draw. The only criteria is you can only win once. I didn't say that, but it seems kind of self-evident. So give that a go. I'm through my schedule, so I'm just gonna read comments and answer questions until I get too hot because it's like 6.30 a.m. already. So I can actually tell because I have a nice weather station on the roof now. So what are we... What is it like here today? And what's it going to be like here today? What does my watch say? It says we're heading for uh, only 27 Celsius. Celsius, people. What's the weather like on the roof? So uh, for those of you wondering, because this is the ine- inevitably the next question, The weather station is a Davis Vantage Pro 2, which I can't quite see from here, but I'm super, super happy with it. Very, very nice weather station, Uh, (laughs) which looks like it stopped reporting sometime yesterday afternoon. Did it completely stop reporting or is it just humidity and temperature? Because I think that they would have changed and not flatlined, but then the pressure, oh, that's interesting. Pressure's changing, the other ones are not. Anyway, it, uh, it publishes a RESTful API, you can just uh, plug into it, pull down the JSON into Home Assistant and then generate graphs which normally look like the ones you can probably barely see on my screen because there's so much glare, uh, but the temperature is flatlined at 22C <laughs> since 6pm yesterday, so not a great example. Put it this way, in the sun with a black t-shirt, I'm sweating, it's hot. I wanted to get on the jet ski. Alright, other comments in here. Um... Uh, Stefan talking about Scott falling of jet ski, um, Nick 007 going through the same thing. Uh, I don't think I've read this already. The company I am working for has very little career path if you don't want to be in a management position. And like, this is a, I, I genuinely think there's like a major problem that we have in this industry where for people like me and probably Nick 007 and a lot of you on this as well. Like if you are genuinely passionate about technology at at an execution level. So at, at a level where you're writing code or scaling the cloud or doing things hands on. How can you appeal to those people to keep doing what they're doing and take their years of experience but also give them hope. <laughs> you know, like for me it was like I I was just left without hope. There was there was just no future and what that does in terms of your respect for your organisation, your commitment to your job, is, is just terrible. I mean, you just, you just lose all love of what you do. I think what's interesting is that, that outside of that corporate structure, you have so many more options. I mean, for, for me, it was Pluralsight that allowed me not to go back to work. Uh, and as I've, I've written before, I was making twice as much money from creating Pluralsight courses in nights and weekends and holidays than what I was going into the office every single day, doing something I hated. Now, over time, there's been many other things I've done that have become much more much more valuable to me, but I mean, that's it's a bit double-edged sword, right? It's like, it, it's, it's gonna suck if you stay in the job, but there are all these other really cool opportunities. That the, the, the trick is to have the other opportunities give you enough certainty to be able to throw the towel in in the job. Uh, I think if Pfizer hadn't have made my job redundant, I think I probably would have still stuck there for quite a while because I would be worried about what would happen otherwise. Um, if you walk away from the certainty of having a pay packet every, every week or month or however frequently it is for you, which is pretty important for people who have families and mortgages and things like that, if you walk away from that certainty into, into the abyss of the unknown, you know, particularly at a time like this where, uh, where people are very, I guess, risk averse, that's a really hard thing. But one of the things that sort of excites me, and one of the things I talk to both the kids about a lot as well, is when, when you look at some of the most successful people in the world. Uh, you know, like the Elon Musk's and the Bill Gates and the Bezos and all this sort of thing. Like these are all people that that did this in this industry in tech. Uh, that you know, for, for many of them were very hands-on, and it's it's not to say that I, I think. My kids should become the richest people in the world, sort of thing. rather, it's to say that some of the most successful people out there have been able to do this through a love of technology uh, and being very technical hands-on people. maybe Jobs was a bit of an exception there because he seemed to be more of a marketing guy than a, than a tech guy. But Wozniak did very well, was as wealthy was <laughs> seemed to love what he was doing. So I think that's the that's the silver lining and, and everyone's trick is how do you how do you get to the point where you can do those things you love that can be much, much, much more lucrative than your formal corporate job? Helicopter. Whilst still having the certainty to get there. The very first blog post I ever wrote was around why online identities are smart career moves. And the uh, the whole theory there was that by having an online identity, you can build you can build reputation, which will give you more options later on. And I I think that that was probably the best thing I ever did, like being able to do that and build that up while still having the certainty of a job. Uh, and, And I got lucky too, like don't get me wrong, I got really lucky. And I got lucky because by Pfizer making me redundant, they had to make a redundancy payout. And I'd been there long enough and their redundancy provisions were good enough, particularly at the time I joined, that as I've also said publicly before, when I left, they gave me nearly two years' pay. What well, was the equivalent there of it was less than that, but then there are there are uh, beneficial tax structures for redundancy. You end up basically end up paying a lot less tax on redundancy power. So it was the equivalent of like if I work for the next two years and save every single cent, which of course is impossible because you got to eat. Uh, here it is now. So it was like here's a two year runway, and then the plural site stuff was paying twice as much money anyway. So it was literally like I'm. I'm taking a one-third pay cut, but I have two years worth of pay in front of me. i got a lot of buffer. But I only had the buffer because of all the things that have been done years in advance to give me that option. So... Burton says, are the 3D printed logos limited editions? (laughs) colours, sign. Now, Burton has received a 3D printed logo before. And I don't know, Burton, if you're just hedging to see if the value of yours is going to go up because I'm not going to print too many of them. Uh, but no, <laughs> I, I have a 3D printer and filament. Like I can make as many of these things as I want. So that's, uh, no, they're not limited edition. They're not signed, sorry. But, uh, but I will be printing a lot of them. Uh, so Scott Scott got the Davis Vantage Pro 2. So I had mentioned this to you, mate. I'm glad you got that. I, I, might, even, um, I might even ping you after this privately. <laughs> we can talk about other matters. And then I'll hear how that went. Burton says, how's the book? uh getting there getting there getting there so there's some other material that we've created around it which i think we want to have go live um, in the next couple of weeks i won't say what it is but it's really really cool i'm very very excited about it and i i, I don't even want to explain why i'm excited about it because i might give it away but i'm really excited about it i think it's going to be cool uh that'll be out there um publicly available to everyone very very soon Filling in some of the final gaps. Uh, Part of this was based on feedback from the preview as well. And one of the pieces of feedback, which was very, very relevant, is they said, uh, when I put the two sample blog posts out there with the two sample intros and two sample epilogues, one of the pieces of feedback was the the epilogue on the Pfizer blog post was, was great. Like, that added a lot of stuff that people didn't know at the time. The other one that we put out there was the Ashley Madison blog post. And they said, look... This felt very light in comparison, and and I read back through it and went, yep, I can, I can see that, I can see that. I, I think that that is relevant. Now, um, as part of the editing process, Rob has gone through and he's of course read every single word <laughs> that I've written. He's come back and he said, look, there are, I think there are two chapters that need revising. One is that actually Madison one. I can't remember what the other one was, <clears throat> uh, but he felt that those two needed work. So that's my job at the moment, is to go back and and bulk those out more. So uh, this is just what we wanted out of the preview, right? Like we wanted feedback from people to say, you could do this bit better. So I will do that bit better. I'd still like to get it out before Christmas. That's that's the hope, but I'm also not gonna rush it. Uh, If it's not right, or if I have to go jet skiing or something like that, I am going to prioritize those things and then it will go out. But it'll go out when we're happy it's ready. But it is very, very close. Some of the other bits that are going in there are still being worked on as well. I don't want to say what they are because they're kind of little secret things as well. Okay. Uh, Stefan says, I found that people are hesitant to tell their boss that they need a change. And if they do, and the response is bad, you know that they no longer want to work there. And um, I do remember what it was like just having having the anxiety about a chat with the boss. And it's... It's kind of a shitty thing, but feeling anxious about talking about things like salary or things like this. I was recently going back through a bunch of my um, uh, pay slips, for want of a better term. Uh, it was actually group certificates. In Australia, at, at the end of every financial year, you get uh, some documentation which says this is how much you got paid, this is how much tax we withheld, and then you put that in your tax return <coughs> to make sure you're paying the right amount of tax. And I looked at, um, at how the pay had changed over the years, and... At best, it was like 3% a year, you know, like CPI. Uh, at worst, it didn't change at all. In fact, at worst, it effectively went backwards because I didn't get a bonus at one time. And I just remember the discussion that I'd had with my boss, and he's like, uh, little bit of a problem, you're redlined. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's redlined? He's like, well, you do this role, and we have a spreadsheet that says this role may pay between here and here. Uh, now, this one here is the upper side. That's how much you're getting paid now. We can't pay you anymore because the spreadsheet told us so. It's like, well, yeah, you can. Just just pay me more. Yeah, you can pay me 10% more. No, is not in the spreadsheet. Well, get another spreadsheet. No, we can't do that. You've got to be in a box in the spreadsheet. And the only thing you could do is you could move into another box. It's like, okay, how do I move into another box? Well, when someone dies and the position opens up, <laughs> this was okay, he didn't say die, but like move on, but I just distinctly remembering at the time, like the only way I can get into another box anytime soon is if the person like dies. But the anxiety of having that discussion and trying to think about how do I move my life forward in any meaningful way, doing my job better, wasn't going to do it. Um, waiting might have done it but how long one year ten years I, I got no idea and that just felt really really stressful to be stuck in that position and I in fact when I um, when I left and I wrote the the Pfizer blog post it's the one that's just like the closing Pfizer tag the one that's in the book I included an image in there in fact I'll, I'll read you what this is because this is really relevant uh, if I look for I was going to a different browser window here which is actually logged on as me Troy Hunt, close tag Pfizer. It's an image I put in there which is kind of like the future of work, which is actually really interesting to look at now that we are, of course, in the future and in an era where so many people are working from home. And it talks about the evolution of the employee. And there's like a past on the left-hand side and then there's a future on the right-hand side. And then it breaks it down into all these different sort of categories. So, for example... Past, work nine to five. Future, work anytime. And what I was doing is I was saying, look, that was my past. This wasn't me who made the diagram. I just found this online somewhere. This is my past. This is my future. So let's get through this. Look how much this worked out. Past, work nine to five. Future, work anytime. Yeah, that's why I'm here at 6 a.m. doing <laughs> live streams. Past, work in a corporate office. Future, work anywhere. And there's an image of a palm tree. That worked out, okay. Past. Use company equipment, future use any device. Well, I certainly nailed that one. Helicopter's coming back. Past, focus on inputs. Future, focus on outputs. Now, the focus on inputs was very much around are you in the office? Are you visible? Do we see you? It's very hard to focus on the output. These days, it is the output. I have to go and run a workshop or do a talk at a conference, like I have to create something. Past, climb the corporate ladder. Future, create your own ladder. I'm good with that. Past, predefined work. Future, customized work. I've got no idea what I'm gonna do today. I mean, I'm doing this. This is kind of work. I wanna do a bit more of my 3D printing. I have the jet ski obligation. I will customize my work today and there's more of it than what I have time and I will neglect things and I'll get to the end of the day and I'll be pissed that I didn't do certain things, but I still get to tailor it and do what I want with it. Past, hoards information, future, shares information. Jeez, Have I Been Pwned's a great example of that. You know, like open source, that's what I should do today. Have I been pwned open source stuff to do? We're nearly done, (laughs) Stefan's on the line here. We're nearly done with the FBI testing. We will, I'm 90% certain, we will be going live with the entire ingestion pipeline before Christmas. Past, no voice. Future, can become a leader. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think I've done that. I think that's reasonable. Past relies on email. Future relies on collaboration technologies. That hasn't worked out so well. <laughs> I've got an inbox of like 100 items that I just need to work through. Past focuses on knowledge. Future focuses on adaptive learning. That sounds like a, uh, a marketing person put that together. Oh, here we go. There's a thing at the bottom, Chess Media Group. Okay, that answers it. Past, corporate learning and teaching, future democratised learning and teaching. Which is interesting because Pluralsight's catchphrase was always democratising learning. So anyway, I just thought that was a really sort of interesting overview of of the way we have worked and the way we want to work in the future and it does mirror my experiences pretty much perfectly other than the bit about reliance on email. Moving on to the comments here. Uh, Neon J80 says, this is essentially what the situation is where I work, I assume, just the difficulties of the corporate ladder, etc. Uh, Peter, I haven't been in this position yet, but it is likely because I change job every three years or so, and that seems where you can move boxes and get larger increases. Now, I think that's a very, very relevant observation here. Very often, the way to move out of the box, whether that be the box of your seniority or your position or the box of just how, simply how much you're paid, is you have to leave the company and go to another job which is super shitty because all your knowledge walks out the door with you. The company then has to rehire, which is a very, very high friction process. Uh, it's, it's just a, it's just, it is a shame it's that way, but it does seem to be the way. Randy says, I started to work home. I, I started to work home to work anytime, but found I worked all the time, but I love it. And, and I, I guess starting to wrap up now because I'm getting really hot in this 6.47 this a.m. sun. Um, this is the challenge and as as much as we we kind of joke and go oh there's a real first world problem it is actually a serious problem where it is very easy to get burned out and as i've written before about three years ago now i started to to really get burned out uh doing this even being in here in this environment I, i just remember the number of times i'd like literally sit in these seats just here and go wow this is so beautiful here i never want to leave but i'm feeling stressed and worn out and of course, I understand now there are many personal reasons for that as well, which have now been fixed. Um, but it does create it does create the opportunity for a lot of stress that you probably don't think about before you actually do this. Uh, and and I think that that's that's possibly a good note to um, to leave it on there. It's it, it I would never change this ever, never, never, never. I'm never going to go work for someone again. Uh, but I do really, really carefully have to manage my my balance so on that note about balance i'm going to chime out of this i'm going to give scott a ring so we can have a nice casual chat while i go and maybe i might even get in the pool and call scott just because i can see folks i hope you enjoyed this outdoor one i will try and do more of this if uh, if everyone reckon it worked well it's so bright here i can't even see where the button is to end this it's here somewhere see you later